Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Good morning, Encounter Church. How are we doing this morning? Well, it's great seeing everybody. And I just want to say, you know, they kind of said it already, but, you know, not all of us got to go to Cuba, right? But we are there in Cuba as well. Okay, we are a church family. We're a church body. We're a part of what they sent those. Those are the people that are handing us in feet, but we are now the spiritual warriors for them. So we're going to pray. And I just actually want to just take a moment to pray for them as they come back. But dear Lord, I just thank you, God, for this team, Father, that was sent. Father, and I just pray that every seed that was sown this weekend, and just join me in this, just join me in faith with this. We just pray that every seed, Father, Father, every seed that was planted, Father, that we will be able to see the fruit, God, that many youth and many adults and many children will come to Jesus, Father, that this will be a generational thing that happens in their families and, and not just their families, but God, the communities, not just the communities, God, but Cuba, Father, that Cuba will be saved in the name of Jesus. We thank you, God, for everything that you're doing there, and we pray for safe travels as they come back tomorrow. We thank you, God, and we pray all these things in Son Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as I was, uh, I talked to Hunter, and he was saying that, you know, after the, because I was curious, I was like, so after the crusade, is that why we see such a big influx of people? Because when I went um, this summer, there was about 300 kids, and now we're talking 500, you know? So he told me that every place that the crusade happened is all those churches had an influx over this past weekend. So what was done during that crusade a few weeks ago, we're seeing the harvest happen. And so just be praying for Cuba, for all the things that are going on. Well, everybody, um, I'm super excited to share the word today. Um, today's uh, message is called Keep the Faith. Everybody say, Keep the Faith. And I hope this is an encouraging message to everybody. I just want to really encourage everybody as we're getting to the end of the year. You know, end of the year is kind of like a bittersweet time, right? It's that time where it's a very awesome time because it's Christmas. Christmas is a beautiful season. Everybody enjoys the festivities. But at the same time, if you're a person that likes to plan, if you're a person that likes to make New Year's resolutions and things like that, this is reflection time, right? And you begin to think about, what happened throughout the year. And I don't know if it's after I hit 30, but when I turn 30, I just reflect all the time. Every time I have something happen, I'm like, okay, let me think about that. What happened and what went wrong, what went right? And so a lot of times, though, when we get to this end of the year, you think about the things that you have not quite accomplished. So, man, I came into this year and I had the idea to do this and this and this, and I wanted to see this happen in my life. I want to see this in my... And maybe we did see some of those things, but at the same time, sometimes we find ourselves at the same place we were last December with the same prayers as last December, the same hopes, the same dreams as last December. Like, Lord, what's going on? So I just want to encourage everybody to keep the faith. Everybody say keep the faith. We're going to be saying that a lot of times, so just be ready for that, okay? And what happens when we get to this place is we find ourselves not being fruitful and multiplying, right? That's our call. That's what God called Adam to do. 
that, and that's our call to be fruitful and multiply. And when we're not being fruitful or not being productive, we find ourselves feeling certain feelings, feelings of discouragement, feelings of frustration, feelings of depression, anxiety, anger. We find ourselves growing weary and tired. But it says in Galatians 6, 9, one of my favorite verses, so let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Everybody say, keep the faith. Keep the faith. And so I'm not sure what you may be going through personally in your life, but I encourage you to keep the faith. I'm not sure what trial you may be going through, what trial you may be going through through life right now, but I encourage you today to keep the faith. I don't know what promises God has made in your life that you haven't fully seen, but I encourage you today to keep the faith. Maybe you've been sowing and sowing and sowing seeds of faith in your life and sowing in different areas, sowing in your job and sowing and sowing in your family, and you're just like, man, you still feel discouraged. You still feel tired. Well, I encourage you today to keep the faith. Today's message is going to be coming from Hebrews 10, and this particular scripture was written to a group of believers that I believe are like us, some that are struggling with their faith. You know, I imagine these people just came to Jesus. These are early believers, right? They came to Jesus, and then they find themselves, you know, the beginning is very productive in your walk with God, right? Very productive. Every service is like mind-blowing. The presence of God is everywhere. You see it on people. You, you feel like every message is directed towards you. You feel like everybody sees you. But as you continue this walk, you find yourself feeling not productive. You find yourself being discouraged. You find yourself in those places. And I believe these, the writer of Hebrew was writing to that type of people. And I want to encourage you just like this, the writer did for the believers. Okay, so it says Hebrews, this is Hebrews 10, 19 through 23, and then 35 through 39. Anytime you see an underlying phrase, please read with me. So brothers and sisters, we are completely free to enter the most holy place. We can do this without fear because of the blood of Jesus' death. Anybody happy about the blood of Jesus? We can enter through a new way that Jesus opened for us. It is a living way. It leads through the curtain, Christ's body. And we have a great priest over God's house, so let us come near to God with a sincere heart and a sure faith. We have been cleansed and made free from feelings of guilt, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us do what, Encounter Church? Let us hold firmly to the hope that we have confessed. We can do what in counter church? We can trust God to do what he promised. And go on to the next scripture. That's uh, verse 35. Uh, so do not lose the courage that you had in the past. Don't lose the courage in counter church. It is a great because there's a great reward. We must do what in counter church? Hold on so you can do what God wants and receive what he has promised. For in very short time, the one who is coming will come. He will not be late. This is Jesus talking right here. The person who is right with me 
will have life because of what? But if he turns back with fear, I will not be pleased with him. That's Habakkuk 2, 3, 4. But we are not those who turn back and are lost. Encounter Church, we are not those people. Who are we, Encounter Church? We, let's say this whole phrase together. We are people who have faith and are saved. Any, amen? amen? So listen, in this scripture, we're reminded of three specific things. Remember, this is to a group of struggling believers. This is a group of people that are feeling feelings of depression, feeling anxious, feeling all these things that we feel naturally from not feeling like we're being productive as followers and believers of Jesus. The first reminder, which we got excited about, was because of the blood of Jesus, you are made right with God, right? Anybody super excited about that again? You know, that's super exciting. You know, Jesus' blood was atonement that re reconciled us, re reconciled you to him by cleansing us of our sins, right? Number two, what did he remind us? He reminded that you can now approach God with boldness. Wow, before, you know, it, the only way to even approach God, first of all, we couldn't approach God. The priests were the ones that approached God and were able to, and even within the priests, there was one particular one that got to go past the veil and really be in the presence of God. But now, now, what did it say? It said, because we have been cleansed and made free, from feelings of guilt. Our guilt has been cleansed and now we can approach God, not, dear Lord, oh my gosh, I sinned again. Help me, God, save me, save me. I'm just a poor old sinner. No, we can come to him boldly. Lord, I messed up and I'm ready to do it again because his mercies are new every day. So we can come to him boldly. And the third reminder was you must keep the faith for it brings great reward. In this scripture, it said you must hold on so you can do what God wants and receive what he has promised. I love the message translation. It said, you need to stick it out so you can do what God wants and receive what he has promised. I love the NLT translation. It says, it's patient endurance that is needed now so that we can do what God wants and receive what he has promised. My translation is, we must keep the faith. Everybody say, keep the faith. Keep the faith. So what is faith? Faith is firm adherence to duties to your relationship with God. Keep that up there for a second. Encounter Church family, it's not time for us to give up. It's not time for us to grow weary in our faith. It's time for us to get firm, right? It's time for us to stick it out. It's time for us to have patient endurance, that's what faith is. Faith is firm adherence to our duties. It's not giving up and giving in. It's time to keep the faith. Because listen, sometimes in this life, you know, sometimes we will see the fruit of our seeds of, of uh, faith that we have planted. Sometimes we will see the fruit. Caleb in the Bible, he was one of the spies that went out to the promised land um, he had faith to believe with Moses that God was speaking through Moses. He believed when Moses said, this will be the land that I'm promising to the Israelites. And Caleb went out as a spy, dangerous territory, right? He did it, though, in faith. And guess what? He got to live there. He got to be there. He got to enjoy the fruits. He got to see the fruit. Sometimes you will see the fruit. What about the elders Simeon and Anna and New the New Testament? They were two elders, very strong in the faith believing that there was going to be a Messiah born. And guess what? Because of their faith, they were led to baby Jesus. 
And they got to see it. They got to see the fruit of their faithfulness. So sometimes in life, you will actually see the fruit. But listen, sometimes you only catch a glimpse of the fruit. All right, let's talk about some people that only caught a glimpse of their fruits, their, their seeds of faith that they planted. Moses, right? Moses went through everything with the Israelites, right? He was the one used to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. He got to go across the Red Sea. He, he went through uh, following a cloud and following fire. You know, he went through those things. He went through the 40 years of, of wilderness. He went through all that and all that. And then God brings him up to the top of a mountain and says, you see that? There's the land I was talking about, but you're not going to live to see it. He only gave him a glimpse of the fruit. Was that a time that Moses started crying? Oh, God, why? Why did you bring me here? No, he had faith through it. Okay, he believed, right? What about David? In 2 Samuel, David had a plan to build a home for the Ark of Covenant. It was a mobile Ark at that time, moving from place to place. And David was like, no, it needs a home. It needs a place. We're already in the promised land, right? We're settled, so the Ark needs a place to, to be. But God said no. Okay, did David cry and whimper about that? No. But then guess what? Later, a prophet by the name of Nathan informs David, I want your son to build it. And so he did not get to see it fully, but he did catch a glimpse because he got to see who was the person to build it. So in our lives, sometimes you will see the fruit in counter church. Sometimes you only catch a glimpse of the fruit. And guess what? Sometimes you won't see it at all. Let's talk about a few people that didn't see it at all. Abraham, right? Abraham, he certainly didn't get to see a multiplication from himself as numerous as the stars. All right. He did live to a very old age, but he was not able to see that. What about the prophets like Jeremiah and Isaiah? You know, they preach restoration and hope. But all they saw in their life was persecution and rejection, right? So they did not get to see the fruits of their faith that they sown throughout their lives. Listen, sometimes you will see the fruit. Sometimes you only catch a glimpse. And sometimes you won't see it at all. Now, all of these characters have something in common because they are highlighted in the Bible as very inspirational characters, the Bible, the Word of God teaches us lessons from these characters. So what do they all have in common? What links all these people? Because each of them, in retrospect, from, I guess, from our perspective, could look like some were failures and some were successful, right? It could seem as if the ones that saw fruit are the ones that were successful and the ones that did not see fruit were the ones that were failures, right? And this is what kind of thinking we can get into, right, as Christians, as believers, if I don't see the fruit, then I'm not being productive. If I only saw a little glimpse, I'm not being productive. It's only when I see the fruit is if I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. But that's not what they have in common. What they have in common is that their faith, their faith rested in God rather than what they could see. They kept the faith. Their faith made them confident in what they hoped for. Right. Even when it wasn't visibly present, they continue to keep the faith. Everybody say, keep the faith. And second Corinthians five, seven, it says this, for we walk by faith, 
not by sight, living our lives in a manner consistent with our confident belief in God's promises. That is what faith is all about. And I just want to take a moment to encourage you that maybe you are a person that's been sowing seeds of faith, sowing seeds of faith, and you have not been seeing the fruit. And maybe you find yourself being discouraged about that. Maybe you find yourself even, you might even be a person that is working at a job and you are seeing fruit, but you still feel stuck. You still feel depression. You still feel confused and and anxious and, and ready for the next thing. Well, I want to encourage you today that God sees your faith. He sees your faith, and not only that, he is moved by your faith. Do not think just because I don't see it that he is not moved by you. Faith moves mountains, and so your faith is going to move things. Maybe you can't see it right here in the tangible, but guess what? That's not faith. Faith is not by sight, all right? So he sees you, he's moved by you, and I just want you to know this, your fruit is protected. And what I mean by that is this. You know, you hear about companies all the time that fail. It's been somebody that's been working for a company for 10 plus years, working and working. They have assets into this company. They have uh, retirement and all this stuff. And then the company fails and they lose everything. Well, God doesn't work that way in counter church. Your seeds of faith are protected They're protected in heaven. So every time you have faith, every seed that you planted, it is protected. It says in Hebrews 6.10, for God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. So if you are seeing the fruit or not, you must hold on. You must stick it out. You must have patient endurance to your duties and your relationship with God. You must keep the faith. Everybody say, keep the faith. faith. So why is faith so important? Why is it that in the Bible, these these particular people are highlighted so many times, so frequently throughout the Bible, right? You know, there's always, I like the, the setup, the Bible stories have this certain setup, right? There's always some type of catastrophe happening. There's always something happening, right? And there's always some big bad guy that's, that's the reason why it's happening, right? And there's so many people that seem qualified to fix the issue, right? But then God chooses this random person that don't look good, that's messed up and broken themselves, that have come from broken background and messed up places. They pick that person and he I want you to get this, though, because I think sometimes we think that God said, I'm going to choose you. Just like he just picks a random person. Faith moves God. It's their faith that moves him to choose that person. Why is this man of God getting raised up or why is this woman of God being raised up? Probably has something to do with their faith. It probably has something to do with their belief. It moves God to give them the desires of their heart. But listen, he usually picks somebody that doesn't seem from the outside as a person that will be used. He'll use that person, and he ends up doing this amazing work through that person. Makes us very hopeful, right? (laughs) Hopeful in life. So why is it that faith moves God to action? Why? Well, Hebrews 11.6 says this, and it is impossible to please God without faith. 
Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seeks him. You see, God expects us to have faith. But listen, that's step one. He expects us to have faith. But the next thing is that once you have faith, you must grow in faith. Okay, because the beginning of faith is just you confessing that you believe in Jesus, right? And maybe some people have not done that here, and there will be opportunity for that. But for the most part, I believe that many people in here have done that step. They have confessed, Lord, I'm a sinner, and I choose to believe in you. I choose to believe in the cross, that that's what saves me. Okay? That's step one, right? It doesn't just stop at a belief, right? There's plenty of people, I don't know about you, but in my family, I have plenty of people that believe in the Lord on Sunday mornings, right? And then on other days, you know, it's a whole nother story. So that's just a belief in God, but it's more to it than that. Because if that was the case, anybody could be a leader. Anybody can lead people. But it's a little bit different that we must grow in faith. So listen, when we're not growing in faith, that's when you start feeling discouragement. That's when we're feeling frustration and anticipation. And I'm talking about people that see fruit and people that don't see fruit. It doesn't matter. You will find yourself feeling these things if you are not growing in your faith. Growing in faith is essential to keeping the faith. How can I grow in faith? Today, I want to give you three A's of growing in faith. Number one is ask God in prayer. Everybody say ask. Number two is apply the word of God to your life. Everybody say apply. And number three is act out your faith. Everybody say act. So let's start off with number one. Ask God in prayer. Remember, we have to be growing in faith. That's the only way we can keep the faith. So how do I grow? I, I ask God in prayer. Luke 17, 5 gives us a great example of what it looks like to really ask God in prayer. I love this story. It's, it's when Jesus was talking to the apostles, and, and Jesus was really challenging them. This is one of those scriptures that's like red, 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 or all the way, you know, the long ones with all the red. And when that happens, you know, Jesus is teaching like a million lessons at one time, okay? And so the apostles are walking with him and just probably like, okay, temptation, that's how you deal with that. Okay, that's how you deal with those things. That's how you deal with forgiveness. Oh, my goodness. And then the apostles, it doesn't even say which apostle said it. It just says the apostles directly pleaded, increase our faith. That's the, that was their ask. That was the thing that they decided to do was just, I don't know, increase our faith. Right. And, and we need to do that because guess what? Our faith can't grow without the Holy Spirit. You know, actually, a fruit of the Holy Spirit is faithfulness, right? And we must, ha- we must have the Holy Spirit. We must be full of the Holy Spirit to have faith. Amen? Number two, another thing that prayer does, it, it, expresses, it expresses our faith. It, it shows God our faith, right? Because when we're praying, we are literally saying, and this is what happens to a lot of people, they get to this Even people that don't know Jesus, they'll start praying when they get to the end of their, you know, when they're frustrated, whatever they're going through in life, they'll pray. But prayer is just, it's total reliance on God. It's saying, I've done all my little stuff that I can do. God, I'm going to need you to take the will and do this. 
all right? And God is like, duh, you need me. Of course, like, <laughs> that's how he reacts when I pray. So prayer is needed because we need to ask for the Holy Spirit for faith, to grow in faith. And also prayer expresses our faith by showing a total reliance on him. And guess what? When, as we do that, as we rely on God in smaller and smaller and smaller things, because, you know, we start off big, right? We only rely on God when it's a big issue. But when we start relying on God for smaller and smaller things, that's when our faith muscles begin to be exercised, be worked, right? When you start praying, Lord, I'm about to go on this job today, and I, I'm a middle school teacher, but these kids, it's, it's close to break time, and they're going to be acting like fools today. I need your strength, Father. I need your strength, Lord, because I can't do it on my own. When we start relying on him that way, we're building those faith muscles we must ask God in prayer. Everybody say ask. ask. What's another way to grow in faith? Apply the word of God to our lives. It says in Romans 10, 17, so faith comes by what encounter church? Hearing. hearing, hearing the good news about Christ. Daily Bible reading is so good because as you read the good news, it gets gooder and gooder and gooder, right? As you read that, that, that Bible, as you take time out of your busy schedule and you put God first as you read the word I mean I love the word of God it's living every time you read you know imagine a movie that every time you watch it you saw something new in it just that'd be the best movie ever right there's a few movies that kind of that kind of do that okay but by the by the fifth time it's like blah all right but the bible Man, these stories, you'll read one story one year, you read it the next year, and you're like, what in the world? I never saw that. And that's because the word, it gets gooder and gooder. It gets better and better in our lives. Just want y'all to know I know English, okay? All right. I am a music teacher, so it just does not matter as much. Applying the word of God, listen, as you read it, it gets better and better. But guess what? Applying the word of God to your life also increases your faith by challenging you. This is the word cha challenging. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It, 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 it hurts sometimes. I don't know about you, but when I read about the rich young ruler, that is a challenging story to me, that there's this guy that has everything he quote-unquote needs in life, but he realizes in his life, oh, that's the Messiah. I must ask him, what else do I need? Isn't it crazy that even a person that had all that he needed, quote unquote, realized that he needed more? He needed something else. And so he comes and approaches Jesus, and this seems like a good story. I'm like, okay, this is good. A rich person that thinks they know everything comes to Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. But Jesus looks him up and down and says, amen, you got to get rid of all that. But do you realize what he's asking this guy? He's saying, get rid of your identity. Get rid of who you think you are, and I will show you who you really are. You are not this money, though, and then come back, and then I will lead you. And the rich young king was not ready for that lifestyle. That is challenging. That, that builds my faith, right? What about deny yourself, take up your cross? Deny yourself. Deny. Remember when you had to do that? Remember when you thought you knew what was going on in your life? And God said, nope, I need you to go this direction. That's challenging. Forgive 70 times seven. You mean to tell me that person that keeps hurting me over and over, psh, 
turn over, turn around the other way. Come on, lay it down right here. Hit me on the other side. You mean I have to forgive them again? Yes, it's challenging, but it builds your faith. Apply the word of God to your life. So how do I grow my faith? I ask God in prayer. I apply the word of God to my life. And number three, act out your faith. Being faithful isn't just about believing. I hope we got that by now. That being faithful, a belief, there's more to it than that. Being faithful isn't just about believing. It's about how you behave. It shapes your belief, shapes the way you behave. James 2.14 says it like this. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it in your actions? Can't that, can that kind of faith save anyone? It can't even save you. So how in the world is it going to save anyone else? Faith is acting like, I love this. I read this from somewhere. It said faith is acting like God's word is true. Faith is acting like God is true. Think about your favorite actor. Okay, think about when you watch them act. I mean, you actually believe that they believe the script that they're reading. Now, let's put this in our context. You see that woman or man of God, and you look at them, and you can tell that they believe the word, the scripture that they are reading in the way they treat their wife, in the way they treat their husband, in the way they talk to their kids, in the way they deal with situations, in the way they, they talk to their brothers and sisters. That's called acting out faith. This is what faith is. Dr. Tony Evans says it like this. He says, faith is acting like it is so, even when it is not so, in order that it might be so, merely because God says so. So let's put that in an example. As a husband, Ephesians 5.25 says, as husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up to her. Now, I am not there. I have not reached that level. But listen, I have faith. So I'm going to act like it's so. I'm going to mess up, but I'm going to act like it's so, right? Even when I mess up, even though it's not so, but I do it in order that it might happen. Because of what? Because God said so. And with that mentality, with that type of faith, I will see it happen. I believe it will happen. Hebrews 10, 38 says this, and my righteous ones will live by faith, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. This is how we act out our faith. And I just want to, my last point in this, in act, in acting out our faith is parable of the three servants. And in this parable, um, I've read this a lot of times and I, Typically, when I study on it, it's usually I get the same thing, but I feel like the Holy Spirit was trying to show me a little bit, something a little bit different, and I love that about the Bible. Again, you can read it, read it, and find new things every time you read it, and so just bear with me if this is a little bit different thinking than you have had in this story in the past, but let me give you a, a broad overview of the story really quickly. So the master, he goes away on a trip. Right. He entrusts his three servants with talents or money. So the master who God is 
God is the master, okay? By the way, this is Jesus teaching. He is teaching his apostles. He's teaching the people a lesson, and he uses parables, and this is one of the parables. And so he entrusts each one. I love this. He entrusts them with based on their ability. Because I used to kind of be like, Dang, man, God, how come one got more and one got the Jesus give? But he did it based on their capacity. He did it based on what they can handle. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you for not giving me more than I can actually handle. Because sometimes we get into a comparison, right? This person has all this stuff, and they can do it well, and I only have this, and I'm barely hanging, hanging on. But God gave you that on purpose, so do good with what you have. Be faithful in what you have, and he will bless you. But the first servant, what the first servant did was invest, and he doubled what he had. The second servant, they invested, and they doubled what they had. And then the third servant, they buried what they, what they had. They buried it, fearing the master's reaction. Master returns. Master repraises the first two servants. Master says, good and faithful servant. Good job. You did well with what I gave you. The first two servants, they were faithful and they were productive. But the master rebukes the third servant for not using and multiplying what he had. So listen to this. The two servants had faith in the master. They had faith in the master. And so their focus was on pleasing the master rather than a focus on seeing tangible outcomes, rather than seeing what they could get out of it. But they did get something right. But their focus was not on what would happen. It was not on seeing fruit. It was on the master. Now, listen, the third servant, he had belief in the master. I mean, it says in the Bible that he knew that was the master. He's, he called him master. So he had a belief in the master. But listen, his actions revealed a focus on tangible outcomes. Faith goes beyond mere belief. Faith is a conviction that influences the way you act. Both of those, all the servants, they believed the master existed, but both had different convictions leading to different actions. One was called good and faithful, and then the other was called wicked and lazy. And some other things happened at the end of that story with that servant. One was given even more and one was taken away even what they had. They lost even the little that they had. How we act, how we act out our faith, how we act, our actions are a reflection of our faith. Ask God in prayer, how do I grow my faith? I ask God in prayer, I apply the word of God to my life and and how do I grow in faith? I act out in faith. And growing in faith is essential to keeping the faith. Everybody say, keep the faith. 
Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.